I have to consent. I've consented. <gasps> oh boy. Here we go, Mary. Oh, we're back. <laughs> it's season four of the Melrose Placecast, everybody. Oh my God. Are we going to get sued? Uh, sure. No, no. This is a parody podcast, so we're not going to get sued. And as a reminder to everybody going into season four, if you're still with us, this is not a parody. I'm sorry. Not a recap podcast. It is yeah. a parody podcast. Yeah. I, what are we parodying? <laughs> Anything that would get us sued. Okay, great. Okay. So season four, oh my God, I just can't wait to get started. I mean, we left with such a cliffhanger. The actual was bombing. There a, is there a bombing? I don't know yet. There was a bombing, Mary. We saw Kimberly press the button. Hey, well, I didn't see anything explode. And as, no, yes, we did. Because as we determined, the Lifetime movie of Melrose Place was canon. You saw the bombing. Kimberly is floating in the pool. Oh boy. So oh. that's official. And you know what else I'm so excited about? Darren Starr. Thank God he's gone and off oh, to Jersey or wherever. Wherever he went. You know, like out by where Sully landed that airplane. Oh, those geese were a real problem. They were a real problem. So with Darren's Darren's Star? Darren Star. Did I say Darren Spelling? You almost did. <laughs> Darren it would Star. with Aaron Spelling. So. Out of here. We got we, we, we got a good 12 characters on the credit scene. That's more than there's ever been. That's crazy. This intro is getting a little long. I think we should get started. <laughs> I got so lost. Anyway, season four of the Melrose Place cast begins right now. Thank God. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Place cast. Today we are talking about season four. Episode 11 called Free Kimmy. I'm Mary. Oh, Mary, my name is Peach. I'm so happy to be here today. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I do have to say beep, 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 podcast news. Okay. I edited the audio from our last recording where we had Dale, and I do think an apology is in order because I was quite cranky. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. So <laughs> if you would like to, you know. Accept your apology? No, this is no offer. This is a good time for you to offer an apology. Why am I offering you an apology? You helped make me cranky, you know it. I helped make you cranky. Wow, that is some gaslighting <laughs> of the hyper. You've been watching a lot of Melrose Place. Oh, listen, I've been watching so much Melrose Place. Um, I can't even stand it. Uh, actually, yes, I can. I can. I want to watch more Melrose Place. I'm having so much fun with Melrose Place. Wow. It's, well, it's my way to stay culturally connected to America and Americans. America. Mm -hmm. God, you know, God bless this great nation. God bless America and no place else. <laughs> no, but yeah, this is the only one. <laughs> Nothing else should be blessed. <laughs> can I uh, can I tell you about the uh, high art that I picked up in this week's episode that they just tucked in there for the uh, the consumption of the the poor schmucks that don't even drink faster coffee in the morning? Yeah. Okay. First quote. I'd like to keep it that way. Okay. Second quote. 
That's so vague, I can't play Switch storyline. It's rough. I thought that might be the case. All right, the second quote. <laughs> I'm your wife, not your slave. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm glad you're covering that one because I didn't ever it. Now, this is the institution of marriage I recognize. <laughs> it's the one you foster and enjoy. And then finally, Mary, you're not going to believe this. I'm calling, as I are for the generations, a gay storyline. A gay storyline. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I found art in it, but it has nothing to do with Matt, actually. Wow. Here's the direct quote. I don't want to have pizza with you. I was just interested in your body. Oh, my God. Yeah. Kimber- <laughs> Kimberly as a gay man is the uh, high art for the generations that I'm, I'm pointing to. It's what you've been waiting for this whole time. Yeah. Can I, can I get started with the vague, the vague one? Yeah, you may as well. I'd like to give it this way. That is a quote from Amanda Woodward responding to Peter saying, you've been avoiding me. And she said, yeah, I'd like to keep it that way. Like, that's kind of the whole point, Peter. <laughs> he had a lot of weird outfits in this episode. Peter did or she did? He, well, I mean, you know what? They both did. Let's be fair. Yeah, both she, did. She had this one where she was showing her midwife region, but in like a weird pattern is the only way I can describe it. Oh yeah. Party. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really I don't really get that, but here's why it's high art. You've been avoiding me. Yeah, I'd like to keep it that way. Is a little bit of like, um, hey, dipshit, don't you understand what you just said to me? Like it's reflecting right back at Peter. And and in this scenario, right, what I what I do believe with my whole heart and soul, what the Darren Star free writers did was they cast Peter as every man, every man in America, you know, who picks up correctly all the signals from a woman and just says, oh, I must push harder, that means. Ah. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about how in, in this society, Mary, you, pro- you probably don't know this, uh, you know, but women... They don't get a fair shake in the world. What are you talking about? No, it's listen. The the deck seems stacked against them. You know, even though even though I have a deck of cards from Hillary Clinton saying "deal me in," it's listen. It's a rigged deck, and gentlemen in particular uh, seem to believe they have. I, I'm sorry. Let me be more specific. Straight gentlemen in particular seem to believe they have a right to women's bodies and their affections and their emotions, uh, regardless of how the woman feels about it. And this is the first I've heard of this. Listen, I, I don't mean to be blowing your mind right now, but it's it's a real problem. And I don't it sounds, think, it really yeah, sounds like I don't think women are aware of it. That's the thing. You know? And so what Memorous Place was doing was saying, hey, Hey, la- hey, ladies, maybe, <laughs> maybe stand up for yourself. Don't, don't let the gentleman kind of push you around. What a novel concept. Yeah, well, I think it was novel. I mean, you know, it was a little novel in 1995. But yeah, it was. here's why Peter said this. Uh, because are you going to be talking about the Parisis? No. Okay, so we start with Jack's funeral. And this is where the legal 
contractual obligations of Hollywood like reveal themselves because that beautiful, beautiful dead man had a kid. Yeah. Why would they do that? He was gorgeous. Well, I mean, they, they did offer to open it so Amanda could say goodbye one more time. Yeah, but they'd have to pay royalties to Anthony Zabato Jr. And they were not about to do that. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's gone now. Yeah. He's gone. R.I.P. Also, the, the indication that there was a funeral was on a letter board. One of those things where you put the little plastic one-inch letters in the felt board. <laughs> that seems like a lot of work. Yeah. For, for a funeral that nobody's coming to because they wanted to ship the body back to Miami, which Amanda signed for on the casket. Well, the lawyer put it there, you know. <laughs> it wasn't, that part wasn't her idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so Peter comes back. The reason we're doing this is because now there's a new friend, Jack's brother, Bobby, who single-handedly solved or won the Gulf War. Uh, that, that, that sounds like someone who does a little bit of uh, torture. That sounds like a bush, like a bush chain. I mean, I was shocked that this guy sounds like he's basically running the Pentagon and he looks like he's an extra on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. So I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So Bobby Parisi worked at the Pentagon. He won the Gulf War. Um, and and the, epi- the episode ends with Jack and Bobby's dad saying, kill her, Bobby. Kill her for your brother, Jack. Because Bobby and Jack are named after Kennedy's, much like my dog. Keegan. Keegan Kennedy. I don't think that's the Kennedy, but okay. But we named her Keegan because we needed the alliteration, and, and she was clearly a Kennedy because she's royal. That's that's where that came from. But uh, named both his sons after the two Kennedys. Did he pick one that lived through the 60s? No. No, ma'am, he did not. Uh, you know, Teddy was, was still there, you know? Yeah, Teddy's a great name, too. Yeah. But listen, I think it is a little bit foreshadowing. Jack didn't uh, didn't make it. I don't think Bobby's going to make it either. But because Amanda has this new threat that as of now she doesn't know about, they needed to pull Peter away from her. He can't be protecting her. So uh, Amanda gives Peter the we need to talk thing. And okay, so we know what this means. And Peter's like, I don't understand. One day you can't keep your hands off of me. And the other day you're pushing me away. And she says, I don't think we should see each other, blah, blah, blah. Wow, they have a standoff. He steals her elevator at D&D. Everything's fine. He gets rid of Kimberly so he can spend more time with Amanda. But he he is fully pushed away. He walks away. So Amanda's going to be on her own for this rest of 2016. I mean, I don't know that this is higher. I feel like this has happened like eight times already on this show. No, no, I'm not saying the Parisi stuff is higher. I'm saying oh. men being presumptuous and demanding of women's attention, affection, and bodies is high art for the generation. I feel like we've done that like 10 times on the show. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. Listen, I, I... <laughs> um, I mean, I will agree this episode I had like kind of a bumper crop of things to pick from. I'm not going to lie. Like it took a while to narrow it down. Um, you know, one part of that storyline I liked because it just made me laugh. So it's toward the end of the episode. Um, it's when he comes to her office again and she's wearing like a red 
mini skirt business suit which doesn't look appropriate but i guess what does and they're up by the elevators and like he oh wait i gotta look at my notes i'm sorry because i enjoyed this so much that i know i wrote it down in great detail Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay by her office after hours to try to talk okay blah 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 uh she's like he's like i made mistakes in the past and she says that's putting it mildly because again he did try to take her mistakes out um yeah and then he goes like He's like, who hurt you so badly? What made you afraid of love? I'm like, well, first of all, the guy who just died tried to kill her. and She was married to him. And also you tried to cut out her appendix. Uh, and then we could make a whole list of people. Uh, he, then he turns it on her. This was some fucking gaslighting. Gaslighting. He's like, you can't love anyone. You can't only, you're carrying around all kinds of baggage and you need to work on yourself and we can't have a future and you won't have a future with anyone. I'll save you the trouble of pushing me away. I'm walking away. And now it's like, he's trying to restore his dignity after she's turned him down five times and he gets in the elevator and goes, and then she in frustration is smacking her bag into the door. After he goes. <laughs> it's like, Way to go. Yeah, okay, Peter. Yeah, you left. She didn't make you go. You chose to leave. <laughs> Whatever. Classic straight man nonsense. Listen, I think you're making my point for me, and I appreciate the assist. I guess. You know, someone has to help from time to time. You don't have that many things to pick from here. Listen, we had Jane punching Joe, so maybe you've got some material to work with. Oh, I, I don't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, almost too many things to pick from. Well, good job. I mean, you tried. I, yes, I did. <laughs> All right. Do you want me to do one? Yeah, please proceed, Governor. All right. Well, poo-poo to you, too. <laughs> Sydney, she's adorable. She's darling, and she looks amazing. I don't want to reduce her to her look, because she's also fantastic as an actress playing this character. But You can say it. She's got a great rack. Oh my God. That's what you mean. No, I mean, her, her hair is on point. Her outfits this episode were fantastic. It, she's just nailing it. She's nailing it. Yeah. All right. So I agree. Sydney is at work. She tells Peter she's throwing it. Oh, I thought that's all we needed to say about Sydney. She looks good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Moving on. You can go on to your next point then, I guess. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so Sydney is at work. She tells Peter she's throwing a surprise birthday party for Michael at the beach house tomorrow night, and he and Amanda should come. And he's like, I'll check my calendar. She says presents are mandatory, but she knows what Peter can get him. She says she's been going over their partner agreement, and she's worried about Michael's profit participation. Peter's like, did Michael put you up to this? And she says, no, I told you it's a surprise party. She thinks he should, for Michael's birthday, give him an extra 4%. And Peter says, not on your life. And Cindy's like, have you forgotten? I've got that sweet, sweet cassette tape of you and Amanda saying you were involved in Jack's death. And Peter's like, you could have the missing minutes of the Watergate tapes, and I would still tell you no. And he walks away, and she does a fantastic sneer and goes, poo-poo to you too. Cut to the party. Sydney's having a surprise party. It's in full swing, Daddy-O. She's dressed like she's from the 60s, and she looks adorable. And she carries out a big sheet cake with a peace sign on it. Because we all, it's, it's 60s, shagadelic. Uh, Peter is there. What I liked about this party is they kind of kept panning around the room, like the camera guy was moving around and like going to different little scenes between different characters. And it was very nicely done. So first we go to, I want to point out, Peter is wearing a beige polo on beige pants. 
so much party energy. He's really bringing it. It's wonderful. I feel like those were his own clothes. That, like he was out golfing, and they're like, "You need to come back. We have the party shoot tonight." He's like, "Oh shit!" So he just kept his clothes on. Uh, he's also wearing one of those party hats, like they make children wear, that are cone shaped. So it's a, it's quite the look. Um, he goes over to Amanda, and one of the many times he asks, he asks her to talk, and she's like, "No," and she walks away. Matt comes over to Michael. Oh, my, oh, so Matt is helping because Matt, as we know from the past, Matt always helps at all the parties. Like he moves the speakers and he makes the turkey dinner. Uh, so Sydney has apparently gotten him to help. He's in charge of like running around the room and saying when Michael gets home. And it is adorable because he is acting the hell out of this. He is running around and like whisper talking and like leaning in close to everyone to get them to be quiet. He does a great job. Uh, Michael comes in, they yell surprise, and he does a great job looking legitimately surprised. Uh, hugs and greetings are ensuing. People are glaring at each other who are mad, like Jane is glaring at Joe, and they're glaring at her. Sydney puts on music, and she tells Joe and Richard to dance, so other people start dancing. And they, people start dancing. And Joe and Jake are looking at each other, and they're mad, and Shelly's mad, and everybody's there, and everybody's mad. Sydney brings out a tray full of cocktail wieners, pigs in a blanket, Michael's like, what kind of food is this? And she said, 60s food, because he was born in 1966. Did that seem like a reasonable question? What kind of food is this? I feel like, you know what? Because those are timeless. Like, I don't know that I would associate those with the 60s. I was not born in the 60s, so maybe they didn't exist before then. I don't know. But uh, I mean, you were much closer to the 60s than I was, for sure. But even still, I, I agree with you. Like, they're timeless. And by the 90s, we were still eating pigs in a blanket in the 90s. I mean, we're still eating them today. I mean, not me. I, I, yeah. yeah, you've made choices. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she puts a party hat on him. He is like, she's like, I didn't know how you would react. Because usually you get so mad when I keep things from you. And he's like, ah, just this once, it's okay. No one's ever thrown me a surprise party before. She's glad to be his first. She's working on his other presents, but quote, I just have oodles and oodles of plans on how to improve your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, He gives her a big smooch. So uh, later, Michael and Matt are talking. Peter interrupts. Matt gushes how he just loves the 60s food. He scurries off. Uh, Peter tells Michael he doesn't like it when his girlfriend tries to push him around. And Michael's like, did she force you to eat one of the pigs in a blanket? Peter's uh, she is again trying to blackmailing him into upping Michael's profit participation. Michael laughs and says, oh, that must be the birthday present she was talking about. Uh, he's impressed by how low she will stoop to his benefit. Peter says, unless he gets rid of Sydney's tapes, he will put an end to their medical partnership. And then he honks his party honker in Michael's face and walks away. Later, end of the episode, cut to the beach house, Sydney gets home, and the table has been set with wine and candles, and Michael comes out in a robe. Oh my, he tells her to relax by the fire. She says, I think it's too warm for a fire, and in true climate-denying fashion, he says if it gets too hot, he'll just turn up the air conditioning. Oh, thanks, California. Uh, He says there's just one more thing he has to do to make tonight perfect. He pulls out the tape. She goes, oh my God, how did you find it? And they're tussling, and he said... He found it in her box of tampons. <laughs> he throws it in the fire. She's like, are you out of your mind? That is worth a fortune. And he says, I've had it with your schemes. He Now they're both standing up. He is threatening her with a fire poker. She's mm-hmm. backed up. She sits down on the couch and she's like, I understand where you're coming from. 
please don't be angry with me. He's like, how could I not be angry with you? You got a nasty habit. If there was Blackmailers Anonymous, you'd be the spokesmodel. And she replies, so in plain English, pack my bags and get out. And he says, actually, I'm sitting flush right now because of you. And to be perfectly honest, I don't mind having you around. And he sits down next to her and he says, if you promise to behave, and she says, cross my heart, hope to die, never tell a dirty lie, which we already know is a lie. Uh, he mm-hmm. tells she can stay. And he very chauvinistically taps his lips with his fingers and she kisses him. And then they do it again and again. And they go off to Smooch City. Um, I love this little storyline because, again, Sydney is nailing it. Michael's nailing it. I love these two together because they're a couple of goddamn scamps. And, you know, they're going to be more shenanigans. And they're better together than they are apart. They're both kind of terrible human beings, but I still like them. And this is a very soap opera-y thing where we have these secret tapes that are getting found and destroyed. We have blackmail. We have cocktail weenies and pigs in a blanket. Like, Oh, my God. The soap opera trope. Cocktail weenies. It was just a delight. So two thumbs up. I forget where the storyline's going next, but it's it's just delightful. Well, it can only be going towards James trying to pretend to get back with Michael. So they had to get Michael into Sydney again, only to yank it away from him. Oh, I suppose. That is kind of the thing they do over and over again. Mm-hmm. Listen, the writer, they wrote one storyline. Why would they come up with a new one? That's true. It gave them more time to focus on their hobbies. Now, does, did they also use the quote, I'm your wife, not your slave, as a direct call out to me? Yes, they did. Okay. Oh, the institution of marriage is so well represented on Melrose Place. <laughs> and I will also add later in a storyline that I think you might be talking about, but I don't want to make any assumptions. Um, Kimberly says, I'm warning you, till I have my freedom, you won't have yours. And I was like, this is all about marriage. <laughs> I, was, I was hearing the Married with Children theme song in my mind. You know that one? Oh, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an institute, you institution you can't disparage. Is that what it is? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Fucking try me. Try and stop me from disparaging it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to try because I know it won't work. I think that the phrase, I'm your wife, not your slave, even needed to be uttered. I think it just clarifies, like it just highlights, it makes it, it is a self-implicating point. Uh, self, self-executing point. That's it. Like the Constitution and self-executing. You know, um, this was the mindset of the time that in the in a marriage, the, there was a lot of things for the woman to take on and do for the marriage that was not even fully or even divided. I even remember there was an advice article somewhere that said, you know. It's only society that makes you feel like everything in a marriage needs to be evenly split to be fair. You just have to be okay with it, actually. And I was like, that is some sexist nonsense bullshit right there. Right there. That's what they're doing. They're trying to tell ladies, just keep doing more. You know, just keep doing more. More, more, more. Say that again? That's what ladies like to do, is more and more and more. Except Brooke. Now, I will tell you, I found a second example for High Art for the Generations in this newlywed storyline that I did not use. Oh. So I, I came loaded to bear, but 
Can I tell you what happened with Haley and Allison and Billy and Brooke this week? Yes, please. Well, so Haley and Allison are on their honeymoon, and Allison says she loves the resort, and Haley at that moment says, I own it, I'll give it to you. Ah. Would you not think that would have been, like, that that should have come up already, right? Uh, They've only been married for a couple days, and they only dated for a month or two, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but they worked together across across the world for a while. That's oh, whatever. Right. Anyway, we're supposed to see Haley keeping secrets, and Haley is really rough with his staff. He grabs them in anger by the lapel and pushes them and says, Ricardo, will clean that up for you or whatever. Okay. I'll Bye. send you back to the boat dock where I found you. Correct. Correct. So this is concerning to Allison. I also, another, there were three examples of high art that I could have used. Another example, when Allison uh, talking with someone from the front desk staff looking for Haley, she said, like a like a suburban white girl from Wisconsin, oh, thank you, pause, and then poorly says, gracias. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's American. <laughs> anyway, so we also hear not only is Haley rude to his staff, he's arguing about being deep in debt on this hotel. And that he should have been so that he was about to sign over to his wife. So that seemed odd. <laughs> it didn't seem very thought through. Yeah. So cut to Billy and Brooke. They're arguing. Billy says, You have to apologize. Brooke says, She's not going to. They go back and forth. He says, I need you to do this. And she says, I'm your wife, not your slave. Fine. It ends with him saying, You're a mother. You're going to be a mother soon. Why don't you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then. Haley and Allison come home from their honeymoon. Haley insists on carrying Allison over the threshold. And Brooke is there and she says, I hope I'm not intruding. And Haley says, well, you are. But Brooke apologizes. She says she didn't treat this well. And then she said to Allison, or well, to both of them, but you're both going to be great grandparents. And it reminded me, my mother found out she was going to be a grandma at the age of 36. <laughs> and she was not thrilled. I saw that washed over Allison that like, I can't be a grandma yet. <laughs> yeah, that that would be hard to swallow at that age. I could understand that. Yeah. Well, Brooke, um, Brooke, Brooke oddly raises, I hope my baby doesn't have to share an inheritance with any children you might have. And Haley says, we're not having children, which Allison didn't know. But storyline inconsistency Allison and Billy had a huge problem because Allison didn't want children. Yeah, maybe she didn't want them with Billy. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But nope. anyway, Brooke, Brooke, <laughs> Brooke ends this by saying, oh, no children? How sad. Well, if it'll help, I'll call you mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little scamp, Brooke. She is just the best. Yeah, she was pretty funny in that scene. Yeah. But so, the, you know, those are my three swings at high art for this storyline. Basic white girl trying to say gracias. Uh, I'm your wife, not your slave in the institution of marriage. And finding out you're going to be a grandma way too young. This storyline was very weird. Like all of the parts of the Allison story, I, I guess Allison slash Brooke. I don't know if they're kind of close. I don't know. These are kind of tied together in my head. Um. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's weird to me that, like, in one breath, he's offering to, like, deed this hotel to Allison, and then, like, five minutes later, we find out he's going to 
probably have to sell it. So like clearly there's financial distress. So why would you even bring up like, sure, I'll just give this to you. Like this thing you didn't ask for or want. So that was weird. Um, I mean, to me, this, honestly, this is all very soap opera because it's like, they've literally been married. This the third day of their honeymoon of their marriage. She says, and she's like, will we still be happy? Whatever. Like and, uh, tomorrow, on the third, whatever. And I'm like, we're already throwing a monkey wrench in where clearly he's having financial troubles. Like, <laughs> it's very quick. This is very fast. Um, the scene where Billy and Brooke, when Billy gets home from the gym and Brooke is on the phone trying to call daddy in Mexico, um, that was just, it was very weird. Like, I don't get their dynamic at all. Cause like, unless they're one of those couples that like hates each other and that's how they get horny and is like yelling at each other. Like, I don't really understand what this is happening here. Cause he's like very much like bossing her around. Like, don't you call your father and don't you pester them and da da da. And you apologize when they get home for your behavior. And like, mm-hmm. it's one of the few times I was really on Brooke's side. Cause she's like, again, I don't take orders from you. Like you can't mm-hmm. boss her around. And he's being kind of like, I don't want to say he's being rough with her, but like he keeps grabbing her and like turning her around and grabbing her by the arm. And like, to the point where she's like, okay, Mr. Tough guy. Like it it just, I don't understand why these two are together because they clearly don't like each other. And it's like one minute, like last, okay. Was it last episode when they found out she was pregnant or the one before? And like, in one moment, he'll be horrified, and the next, he's like, oh, I'm going to be a daddy. And it's just, like, the weirdest seesawing. I don't under... It seems very inconsistent. The plotting of these two characters in particular is very inconsistent. And maybe that's not unrealistic, because there are people like that in real life. But it's... It's hard to... I, I feel like I get whiplash every time there's a scene. Because, like, in one scene, they're all lovey-dovey. And the next one, he's calling her an immature brat. <laughs> like, what's going on? It- it is weird. It, it is that well written. I mean, I think we can say that about the show now. Is that fair? I, th- I think that's okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, listen, part of me would think maybe it's just Andrew Chu's acting, but the, the storyline inconsistencies are all over the place. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I. Like, J- Jane wants Richard back? Yeah, what the, well, and then she wants Michael back, at least pretend, and, like, that's a crazy-ass storyline, like, that's insane. Why would I couldn't Michael believe also... she was at the party. What? I couldn't believe she was at the party. Yeah, like, why was she at the party? She doesn't even like Sydney. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of, like, I mean, like we've talked about before, I feel like as these seasons go on, particularly last season and this season, you get the sense that they're just like throwing everything at the wall just to create content so fast that like, I don't know that they're like paying attention to what's going on sometimes a lot. Well, and that's why what's so weird, like they, some, they don't need to move so fast on some of these storylines. Like they could have gotten weeks out of that plane crash. Weeks. <laughs> they really could have. Yeah, I don't... And like, what they didn't even have to, or don't even have the plane crash. Like, there are a thousand ways you could have marooned them, just at the hotel. Yeah. Like, have the power go out at the hotel or something. Like, you're just stuck in a room or whatever. Like, it doesn't have to be this elaborate. Mm-hmm. Which is why I would say it's a little soapy. Okay, okay, okay. You know what? I, we're we gotta take a break. That was 
that was a low blow, Mary. It, so help me God, if I'm ever pregnant, which is unlikely, and someone says, you're going to be a mother, why don't you start acting like one? They, whoever they are, they're going to get a backhand <laughs> so fast to the face. <laughs> Good God. I don't like Billy. <laughs> Newsflash. Are we done? <laughs> Season four, episode 11. Let's make that official. <laughs> I don't care for him. And you know what? Here's, before we go, one more point. The writing is inconsistent, which is nothing new. I mean, that's been that way since the jump. But what I think I'm starting to notice here are, look, everybody on the show is a delight, okay? But you're starting to be able to separate, like, who are the really good actors here and who aren't? Because the ones who are a little bit better actors are having an easier job selling this malarkey. Or at least they're fun enough to watch or I can forgive a lot of things. Like Sydney, Sydney's storyline, Sydney's whole life on this show is absolutely insane. Like clearly just bonkers, bonkers. She didn't even exist. Jane was an only child and all of a sudden she had a sister. Like, but like when Sydney does crazy shit, I believe it because Laura Layton is a good actress and she's figured out a way to make this believable and make you have empathy for her. Whereas Jane, her villain turn, Listen, what's her name? Josie Bissett. I'm not saying she's a bad actress, but I'm saying she's been given material that she can't spin. And I think you see that with it's it's spread. And so I think there's people who are standing out like, okay, uh, like Matt. Matt has very little to do largely on the show, but like there's a scene, there's a scene. Oh, oh, we'll talk about later. But like, even again, like the birthday party scene, he's given one little morsel. He's given like, run around the room and tell people Michael's home and like he makes a goddamn meal out of it. It's great. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> or like his one little line like I'm going to go eat some cocktail weenies. Like <laughs> he's, he's in it. Like and I don't know I I don't know. I don't know. Like and again like Andrew Shu, he can't sell this cuz he's with all due respect, he's not a very good actor. And so I think it makes it harder. It takes you out of the scenes and it makes the it makes me see the rigging of the soap opera crap more clearly in those moments cuz I'm like I'm not distracted by the the other things. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. I may be overthinking this. No, it definitely does make sense. And on the good actor side, we've got Jack Wagner, I think. Heather Yeah. Lester. Yeah. Uh, I, think Smith. I think Courtney Thorne Smith, despite how ludicrous Monday the things have had, like, I still have empathy for her, even when I'm mad at her. Because, like, because I feel like there's still a person there. It's not completely ludicrous. And I don't know. I don't know. I think I have a hard time with like even Joe's character sometimes because it's so inconsistent. Daphne Zuniga is a good actress, but like it's gotten so all over the place. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe there's just certain stories I don't like. And so I'm predisposed to like being irritated. I don't know. You? (laughs) No, that's crazy talk. Well, I don't disagree. Let's take a break. Let's take a breather. Let's come back with love in our hearts and high art in our minds. I might have one of those. We'll see. This week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. You've loved her take on Mancini Roni. You've savored her crawfish etouffee. 
You've positively drooled for a mouthful of low-fat fettuccine. You've relished the spinach, lasagna, and corned beef hash mushed together in a pan. You've canceled plans to stay home and eat some mashed potatoes with codfish gravy. What could Rhonda possibly cook up next to tantalize your taste buds? Well, it's time to go back to the 60s, bitches. Yeah, baby, far out. Oh, my God. Rhonda and her friends at Melrose Place were born in the 60s, and boy, oh boy, do they ever miss those tasty treats of their youth. Rhonda got to digging in her mom's old stash of cookbooks, and she unearthed a veritable treasure trove of long-forgotten delights sure to get your heart a-pumping. Flower power, peace signs. What about pigs in a blanket? Rhonda will serve up a heaping platter of cocktail weenies wrapped in crescent roll dough. Who could have ever come up with something so wild and exotic but Rhonda? How about busting out that old fondue pot you bought at that old lady's estate sale and heating up some of Rhonda's wonderful cheese that you can dip things into? Because that's what people did in the 60s. They thought it was really great. Hey, save some room on your plate for the cream sauce. It'll be coating that chicken a la king, which was apparently very popular then. Hey, if that's not enough stuff to dip shit in, how about adding a side of... That's where the word dip came from. They invented it in the 60s. How about you add a side of Rhonda's imitation non-trademarked Lipton onion soup dip? Whoa! You know what? You've had enough tuna noodle casserole to last a lifetime. Sorry, 60s. Are you ready to try Rhonda's hot new take? That's right. Codfish noodle casserole? You know you want it. No. You're going to want to bogart some of that. And when all else fails, order yourself a big box of Rhonda's custom proprietary gelatin mix. And you can encase just about anything in jello. And it's going to feel like you jumped into a goddamn time machine because that's all those people ate back then was everything covered in jello mix. It's weird. Google it. Makes me uncomfortable. You're going to be saying, sock it to me, baby, to your heart as you get double your daily sodium recommendation in every meal. Fab. Visit rondosculinaryfunk.biz today. Enter promo code groovy to receive one free eight inch cake cut in the shape of a peace sign. That's Rhonda's Culinary Funk. You'll be glad you learned to boil water. I'm so glad to hear from Rhonda. I know it's been a while. We haven't Rhonda. She's been very busy, but you know, she heard we were getting into season four into this particular episode. I believe that inspired her. Yeah. You know, the fact that I heard from Rhonda just now is something that makes me different than Matt. Oh, wow. Wow. You know what, Matt? He knows about women. He's friends with them. He was friends with them. That was past tense. Oh, God. Yeah. So, So I mean, I don't know about you. I I really struggle at this time of year. I'm not going to say what time of year to keep it generic, but I struggle at this time of year because I don't know when this will air to just come up with fresh things to eat. You know, I kind of get stuck in a rut. The weather, for whatever reason, either it's too hot or too cold, and I'm just not feeling inspired. So boy, oh boy, on days like that, that are either very dark very early or stay light until nearly 10 p.m., I just, I love to reach in the fridge and pull out something from Rhonda's Culinary Funk, because you know what? It takes the guesswork out of cooking, and it takes me back to the 60s, a time when I was not born yet, but certainly I've heard a lot about from a certain generation. What generation is that? You can take your pick. 
there's at least one or two. So, okay, so Rhonda is going back to the 60s. I, you know, I love this. Um, I've heard about the 60s as well. Free love, free concerts, you know, uh, everybody just having a, a good old time. Yeah, yeah. They were really into free things then. Now, not so much, unless it's for themselves. Yeah. Now, not so great for the gays uh, or for the lady uh, or for oh. people of color. Um, sure. You, you know, there was a lot of problems, a lot of problems. But they solved them all, Daddy-O. <laughs> Daddy-O? <laughs> Mommy-O? But the Quality. food, that's the part, you know, when I think of what do I miss, what do I feel like I missed out on the most? Yeah. not being alive in the 60s and i it really is the food you know the food oh it's oh. only you know it was a wonderful time when women were still mostly at home all day and so they had time to concoct wonderful meals like melted cheese in a pot or you know wrapping cocktail weenies and crescent roll dough you could go to the grocery store and they had refrigeration so you could start to buy some of these convenience foods, like like a frozen chicken a la king or oh. a onion soup mix. What, what will they think of next? Life? Yeah. Wow. A frozen chicken a la king? Oh, oh baby. Oh. oh, my God. The dream was alive in the 60s. Well, now, Mary, of course, as you know, this episode is dropping on October 23rd. So it's not too late to get some... Ron's Culinary Funk 60s food for your Halloween party. Is there any kind of crossover item? Oh my goodness. Well, let me tell you what. Rhonda thinks of everything. Favorite, your favorite stall tactic is that sentence. <laughs> Works pretty well, doesn't it? <laughs> Rhonda has thought about a lot for this because, you know, she's always on the cutting edge of not only modern dance, but also the funk. And she... Would, she's working on if you go to the if you go you gotta go to Rhonda's Culinary Funk Biz because not only can you make orders there but there is a whole section of recipes and now you'll find your classics, um, you know your reheating instructions, um, your how to open the box and deal with the dry ice instructions. Mm -hmm. You can also find recipes that you can kind of doctor up using what you get in your box from Rhonda's Culinary Funk, and because of Halloween, there is a whole section using Rhonda's custom proprietary gelatin mix to put things in jello. There are some positively spooky ideas there where you could put grapes in jello so it feels like eyeballs in jello. Or you mm. could put spaghetti in jello so it feels like there's brains in the jello. Or you could I, I what can't you put in jello and make it more spooky? I, I dare you to come up with something not made more spooky by jello. Yeah, what about um, some bats straight from Wuhan? I don't know that the no. jello is adding to that fear factor there. You know what? It's certainly not hurting it, though. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you get on over to Rhonda's Culinary Funk. And, you know, she's... Rhonda, you know, she's she's all about the people. and She, she loves wants to the people, except Matt. Oh, stop. Um... So yeah, you check out, the, you don't have to be a subscriber to Rhonda's Culinary Funk to access this recipe portion of the website. Now, it's going to help if you are, because you're going to be able to get all this stuff delivered fresh 
in wonderful boxes with you know what save that dry ice for halloween you can make a spooky cauldron and put some jello in it yes don't reach into it though if there's dry ice that's a bad idea not without gloves that's all on the website too there's a lot of safety tips so yeah again you can visit Rhonda's culinaryfunk.biz if you're going to place an order, and I highly recommend you do to Rhonda's Back to the 60s menu, enter promo code GROOVY in all caps because boomers like to yell. You're going to receive one free 8-inch cake cut in the shape of a peace sign. Sydney could have saved herself a lot of trouble for that party if she had just gotten in touch with Rhonda. And we are back for the second half. Season four, episode 11, otherwise known as One One. It is titled Free Kimmy. This is the Melrose Place cast. You are, in fact, in the right place. Welcome back. I'm Siege. I'm still Barry. And oh, we're just having so much fun today. Free Kimmy, indeed. Free Kimmy. This was a play on Free Willy, right? It was that time. I don't know what they're trying to make a pl- I don't know. God only knows. These titles are. Because <laughs> they put her in a pool. Yeah, Free Willy came out in 1993. They did put her in a pool. Like, well done. Okay, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> That's what it's about. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, do you want me to make another argument? Uh, I, that, that is our whole thing here. Okay, I I just like to check just in case. Can we, mind. can we talk just a little bit about Free Willy? Did that movie have an impact on you in the nineties? I was very irritated by Free Willy. Irritated? Yes. Huh. Uh, I got real sick of that Michael Jackson song. Um, I was like, arguably, I'm not going to say I was too old for Free Willy, but like, I was a titch. Like that, I felt like my younger brother. Like they, that was aimed right at that demographic. Mm-hmm. Um. I just got sick of hearing about it. Like I got sick of hearing about whales. I like whales just fine, but I was like, that's enough. Like I'm good. How about you? I listen, I didn't understand how that whale wouldn't fall on him. That did seem logistically like a fair question. Like, yeah, but you know what it did? It put into mainstream consciousness. uh, Hey, maybe we shouldn't be keeping these whales in a little bathtub. See, I feel like it sort of did that, but it also increased tourism at SeaWorld by a whole bunch. I think you're also right about that. But listen, people said the right things while they paid their money. That's true. You know, that's that's hollow, but it's something. It's the American way. It is. You might argue that it was high art. Very good chance I might. Mary, let's get started. Let's do it. Kimberly, you did blow this place up. <laughs> this is, I think, my favorite scene this whole episode, except again for when Kimberly said, well, poo-poo to you, because that was also for Sydney. I'm sorry. Okay. So we're at the apartment complex. Kimberly comes down the stairs from her apartment. And, you know, sometimes in the interstitials, there's a pool guy. This is not that pool guy. This is a different pool guy. This is what the 90s would have called a hot 90s pool guy. He is a big, beefy blonde man. His name is definitely Zach, but he goes by Zachary. 
Yeah. Yeah. Formal. He, he uh, wears uh, sunglasses that have like kind of neon plastic around them. Yeah. And there's like a cord that goes around the back of his head. Oh, yeah. Because you can't lose them. He spent $14. Yeah. yeah he got the, the money. He got those at the sunglass head at the mall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parking, so keep... Parking's a bitch at the mall, too. So you don't want to go back for new sunglasses. Oh, God, no. No, you don't have the time for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, so Kimberly comes down the stairs. She definitely notices the hot pool guy, and he kind of notices her, it looks like. She goes mm-hmm. over and knocks on Matt's door. He very irritatedly asks what she wants. Then he looks around and over, and he notices the hot pool guy, too, which is a wonderful touch. Well done. Well I done. Did, I didn't notice that. I was too busy noticing Matt. He absolutely clocked and was looking at the hot pool guy, and I loved it. Uh, Kimberly hands Matt a bunch of binders that are not full of women. They appear to be full of her old medical school notes. Binders thought, full of women. Binders full of women. She thought Matt might like her old notes from medical school, and he's like, oh, thank you. Like I appreciate that. And she's like, you know, I'm always happy to help a neighbor. Do you ever want to talk shop? Like, I got the day off. And she's like, can I take you to lunch? And he says, uh, no thanks. And she's like, oh, okay, how about I take you for coffee? And he's like, Kimberly, you did blow this place up. <laughs> and to be honest with you, nobody could get past that. You know what? Fair enough. She chuckles. He thanks her for the notes, and he goes back inside. She sighs. And then she looks at the hot pool guy, who is wearing a sleeveless t-shirt that says, I do pools. Ha ha. <laughs> As she walks past, he's like, hey. I get off at five. I'd love to have dinner with you. And she smiles. Cut to later in what I presume is Kimberly's boudoir. Uh, they have just been doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call him I Do Pools because I don't know his name. He's Zachary. trying to. Zachary. Okay, Zachary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to cuddle, but she is like not having it. And she's like drinking a glass of water. And she's like, oh, did you think that that was special? He says, yeah. He's like, I got the scratches on my back to prove it. And she says, I was just trying to get that tacky I do pools t-shirt off of you. You can put it back on and get out. She throws <laughs> it at him. And he's like, hey, can I buy you dinner at least? And she's like, I don't want to have pizza with you. I was just interested in your body. He says, I'm not just a dumb jock. I had a whole year of college. And mm-hmm. she's like, really? Well, then I'm sure you can find your way out. Um, I forgot this plot line was coming. Uh, it's going to get real interesting real fast from what I remember. I didn't see that much of season four, but I saw this far, apparently. Um, the, the casting of I Do Pools, wonderful. They nailed it. Nailed it. Um, loved that Matt got to look at him. I'm so happy for Matt because I feel like he doesn't get to do that very often. Loved him reminding Kimberly that she did blow up the building. Because yeah. Joe really glosses over that a lot. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um this was, this was, you know what? I'm glad she got her monitor off. This is really livening things up. I don't remember the storyline, though. Oh, I do. Is she just going to go slutting around? She might. I mean, we, we don't need to issue a spoiler alert. Like, you could just tell me. She might. Is that what happens? Yes. What do you think it's implying? <laughs> way, to, way to ruin it. <laughs> the, okay. Uh, th- this is so perfect because I really think they hit an example of high art for the generation here. Oh. Oh, that's awkward. 
it's a little awkward. So let's let me let me share my perspective, and then we can kind of debate it out and let the listener decide. So, okay. and by that, you know who you are. <laughs> you're, you're out walking right now. It's four four thirteen a.m. And uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry, it's so early. You're. He gets up very early, but he's he, by water. It's beautiful. The sun hasn't arisen yet because we're coming up on fall. You're going to look this- by water, and I don't get up early. So props. Like- yeah. So, and then you're gonna, you're going to message us and tell us which side you take. But this slutting it up, you know, she specifically said when he said, "Do you want to have dinner?" You reek of chlorine. I don't want to have pizza with you. I was just interested in your body. Oh. Do you know Jan Arden? Um, I feel like I've heard the name. Yeah, you would have probably from me. She was a one-hit wonder in the 90s from Canada. So think Lisa Loeb, but not as, doesn't have the same power because she didn't have the classes. Okay. And in the 90s, right around this time, she had a song. It went like this. Are you ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll fast forward. A lot of like slow humming and build up. But it said, after a summer's kiss, your heart into crimes and fall in love again. And then we hit the chorus. Oh, I really should have known by the time you drove home by the biggest in your eyes. Your casual goodbye by the chill in your embrace. I've lost the beat. The expression on your face that told me, baby, you must Yeah. And how to be insensitive. Okay. And it's all about one night stands. Okay. I, I mean, I guess it could be. Now. Do you know why I know Jan Arden and you are only vaguely familiar with the name? No, I don't. Because that song resonated with the gays in such a way that I can't even tell you. So hookup culture, before it came to the straights, we, I like to say we invented the practice. <laughs> but what would happen, so it was the 90s, remember, gay marriage wasn't, I mean, it wasn't even a thought. Hawaii hadn't even done what they did yet, right? So it's not like we were fighting for gay marriage. We, we, we couldn't even conceive of such a thing, right? So, yeah. but the heart wants what the heart wants, which is usually not the pizza, right? Just the body, <laughs> but sometimes. So you have these moments in gay culture back then where it would be some random hookup. That is That was the gay hello at the time, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how much has changed. I couldn't tell you. I can't. Not on a recorded line, you can't. But I think I think you got. I think you have opinions. But either way, you'd have this situation where, like, hey, you know, we we agree. We're just we're just having fun here. But in the middle of the the gay hello, one of the fellows would catch feelings, and it would lead to this really weird, awkward thing where he Zachary here is trying to stay, and Kimberly's like, okay. We both got what we needed. You can, you can go. So it, it reflected as a real life example of the human experience in the mid nineties. 
for a subset of the population. But of course, we can't have Matt as a slut for some reason. So it had to be Kimberly. But Kimberly, Kimberly is every gay man in the storyline. I, I guess I don't know enough. I can't really argue <laughs> against that. <laughs> that's the beauty. That, listen, that's the beauty. Also, my cousin has a daughter who is going to college for music education. And she needs people to volunteer for vocal training. But oh. if they need will commit to the weekly sessions, but also hasn't had a vocal training yet. And I signed up and I said, I will do it. I will be committed. And I think everybody will agree, including our listeners. I haven't had vocal training yet. I don't think I don't think your music teacher is gonna call bullshit on that one. <laughs> you know what? Maybe maybe I should redo that song at the end of my lesson. There you go. That you can show us your progress. Right here on this podcast. Well, the people, they can't wait. They can't wait. Uh, much like Kimberly couldn't wait for this guy to leave. He came in, and now he can come out. I mean, I think you're... I like to think you're doing a play on words about him coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Kimberly is really trying to get this fucking bracelet off of her wrist. That's for sure. Yeah, she's not loving that fashion. I don't understand two things. It's not Peter's decision to take this bracelet off. Second. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. She's not wearing the bracelet to the radio station? Well, yeah, she is wearing it again at the beginning of this episode. Um, I guess she must be. I don't know. I guess we didn't see her at the radio station this time, but. Yeah. She's wearing it at his office, so I assume she's wearing it elsewhere. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Mary you mean we, the writers we, might have left a plot hole? A plot hole is so big that Zachary could come in it. He does pools. He does pools, yeah. All right. Well, Mary, I think we battled that one to a draw. All right. We'll let our good friend listener, good listener friend, weigh in on downloading she'll weigh in i mean i'm not gonna hold my breath but wonders never cease you know so mary do you have a final example of this being a trashy soap opera i do i do i called this one i can only work part-time but mostly nights except weekends so you're bringing matt in as your example not me well kind of okay go ahead so we're at Shooters. Uh, Shelly and Jake are there. Shelly gives Jake a key to the shack slash cabin where she lives, mm-hmm. where let us remember Michael and Sydney honeymooned once, and Matt called on a, a search for That's her. That's not work. canon. That is not canon. What? You are correct that it's the same set, but that's not canon. We're like we're not supposed. To, she's not up in the mountain. Yeah, this is why I'm pointing it out. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and also that is where Reed's dad shot Joe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but now Shelly lives there uh, Jake is like whoa baby I'm not ready to move in with you and she's like it's a key not a commitment 
he's like, what brought this on? She says, well, Joe came back from Hawaii and all your friends blame me for your breakup. And he's like, they don't blame you. They don't even know you. Which is somehow not better. <laughs> um, he's like, why don't we go together to Sydney's party tomorrow night? And Shelly's like, I don't want to get to know them any better. Quote, they like to hang out here, expect free drinks and count on you for a helping hand. And you know, she's not wrong. Just then, Matt comes in. He was wondering if Jake had any part-time work available. Uh, Shelly makes an I told you so face. Jake's like, what about all that settlement money you got from the hospital? Fair question. It is a fair question. I do believe Matt answered it well. He says, that will cover my tuition for the next three years, but I still have to pay my rent and car payments. And he's like, I will totally, what? Do you think this man is going to be in medical school for three years? I don't, no one does anything for longer than five minutes on this show. So probably yeah. not. Like, so I'm surprised they did that. Like I thought they were going to say like, oh, he's one class away. So like, he's a doctor. <laughs> Who knows what will come next? Um, what was I saying? Oh, so he tells Jake, like, I will totally understand if you're not hiring. Jake asks Shelly as the bookkeeper, if they can afford to hire someone. Matt's like, oh, okay. I can only work part-time but mostly nights except weekends. And Shelly's like, sure, anything for a friend, right, Jake? And Matt thanks them and says they won't regret it. So cut toward the end of the episode. Matt is there working, wearing a shooter shirt, and he looks fantastic. Uh, he goes up to the bar, and he's like, what's going on with you and Joe? And Jake gives him a dirty look. And Matt's like, I feel like you guys are meant for each other. And Jake calls him a hopeless romantic. And he says, what do you know about women anyway? And Matt, rightly... Oh. Probably yeah. more than you do. What? Yeah. No. Say it. Say it. Say it for the people. Okay. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to, like, this is such a good line. Oh, okay. Uh, and Matt replies, probably more than you do because I've been friends with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, Shelly is no Joe. And Jake snaps that Shelly happens to be the first woman in his life who hasn't dragged him down. And Matt asks how Joe dragged him down. Uh, and right then, a meat delivery man comes in and says he needs money for the meat. Jake says, my bookkeeper's at the bank, and she's got it all computerized. I don't know how to cut a check. And Matt says, well, I know about computers, and we know Matt knows about computers. So they go into the office to try to get into the computer. Uh, Matt's trying to log in. He's like, well, there's a password. What's the password? And Jake's like, I don't know what a password even is, because I'm Jake. Said, do, I, do I have one? <laughs> Matt guesses the word shooter in lowercase, which is a terrible guess for a password. But I guess it worked in the past for him at the hospital to pick the terrible password guesses. It doesn't work. And Matt wonders aloud why Shelly never told Jake what the password is. I don't know. We cut to Shelly at the bank in the vault, opening a safe deposit box that is stuffed full of money. Bob, Bob, Bob. Um, My place was so subtle this episode. It's very, very hard to understand the, the subtleties of these storylines. Um, so we all knew something was coming with Shelly, right? Because that's how the show works. Like, there was no way there is not some kind of secret agenda. Um, so, yeah, she's evidently, she's she's scraping money off of that. And we're going to learn more. Um, this is where I had a hard time, honestly, picking which trashy thing to pick from. Because there are several ster- I'd like to discuss that are on the table. But I chose this one. Because I liked what it, I do believe it had a fair point about how Jake is like, they all just show up at the bar and want drinks. I think that's a fair point. Um, I mean, that is why you go to a bar. 
that is why you go to a bar, right? That or like ping pong or pinball or whatever. Oh my um, God. Look, you can have a nice time at the bar. Sometimes they have good food. They got good French fries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that we are, we're planting the seeds now here. We're planting the seeds of more soap opera bullshit that's soon to come. Or, you know, embezzlement is a crime of all these times. So maybe it's art. Okay. I'll, I'll keep trying. We made it all the way through, and neither one of us talked about Jane punching Joe because this oh. villain turn is boring and not believable. <laughs> That's a great point. That was one of the things I left on the table because it was super goddamn trashy. It was very trashy and stupid. It's not believable that Joe is with Richard at all. No. It's not believable in the storyline that Jane wants Richard back. No. Why would you still be trying to be together? She doesn't need to be together with him anymore. They're in partnership. She has half of the business. She doesn't need half. And she would, it's not believable that she would have went to Michael's party. And not believable that she would even be around Michael willingly just to make Richard jealous. Yeah, of all the motivations, like, I could see if you were trying to, like, get Michael's money or something else, but, like, to make Richard jealous, like, Richard doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Richard, even while he was engaged to Jane, even while he was proposing, clearly hated her. <laughs> he might be the only man who hates Jane more than Michael does. Uh, I put myself on the list. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think the punching thing was dumb. Um, the other little moment. Okay, so Jane, Jane shows up at D and D to have lunch with Allison in the conference, and this is after the punching incident. And so Jane asks her about it, and why did she hit Joe? And Jane smiles and just says she had it coming, and they both laugh. And this is where I got confused because aren't Allison and Joe like best friends? Mm-hmm. And did, have they had a falling out that I'm forgetting about where she would laugh at this, like? I don't remember. I, I don't Allison know. and Jane, I can clock it because of the cheating, but I don't remember this. Yeah, as far as I remember, like, they were okay right now. So, I mean, if, if the listeners are, like, they know of something, please send us an email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Melrose at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to get an email. Um, okay, so I thought that was weird. And so they, Jane then asks how she is as a newlywed. And Allison mentions that daddy doesn't want to have kids. And she says, of course, if Brooke were my daughter, it might sour me on parenthood too, which was a funny line. Um, they So they talk about that a little more. Um, she tells Jane that she should let Richard go. And Jane says, no, I need a new plan. I get to get his attention by making him jealous. And then she hatches the whole maybe someone I've been in love with before. And Allison says, oh, no, Jane, not Michael. And they laugh. Which, if mm-hmm. this is genuinely your friend, this is a horrible, horrible idea on every level. It's horrible. And then later we cut to the beach house. Michael answers the phone. And it's Jane who asks him out for dinner uh, at that place they used to go when they were married. And she hangs up and she goes, how did I do? And Allison is there and says she's very convincing. And I'm like, so Allison is complicit in all this bullshit. Allison is rooting this on, which is pretty shitty. Because like... Yeah. 
she's got no beef with Michael, as far as I can recall. She doesn't have any beef with Joe that I can currently remember. I feel, there's previously been beef, but they've all had beef at some point. So I just thought that was a little crappy. She hates Michael because of what she did to Jimmy, right? And staring at Alex and what he was making out of So that, that's believable. But the turning on Jane or Joe doesn't seem logical. No. But Allison and Jane really reconnected during Allison's blindness. So it makes sense that she'd be a friend for Jane, but not that she, I don't see why she would be doing this. Yeah, it's odd. It, it, it feels like another one of those plot holes where they're not really paying attention. Yeah. Well, Mary, I think we have to come back at this next week. I, yeah, I don't think we've resolved this this time. <laughs> no, I mean, even even in the episode, we couldn't resolve about Kimberly. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. Well, back at it in a week. Two weeks. <laughs> three weeks. Whatever. However many weeks. Whatever it takes, we'll get it done. This week's episode of the Melrose Podcast is proudly sponsored by I Do Pool. We are here <laughs> to get you hitched. That's right. At I Do Pools, we come to your residence, whether it's apartments, condominium, association, or some other situation where there's a pool involved, and we will get it so ready for you and your beloved to say I do. At I Do Pools, if you have a fiance that you want to marry just in time for the season finale, we offer the service for you. At I Do Pools, we are set up and ready to go to put up just enough chairs on top of the pool for some reason. <laughs> a gentleman that you thought was murdered is sitting there with his, his own beloved, his own fiance, causing you to come in and, and yelp in, in fright that he's still alive. That's just <laughs> what we do at I Do Pools. Oh, hold on, I'm sorry. Just getting an email. I'm sorry, Mary. I'm getting an email from our people. I read that wrong. Oh, oh no. I'm sorry. Let's start again. Delete this. Delete this. All right. This week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is curiously sponsored by I Do Pools? Question mark? <laughs> we here at I Do Pools are pretty sure we know what to do. We, we come in with a big bucket of chlorine. Just, just a, Mary, you, could you even imagine the size of chlorine we're bringing in? Do you know how big a five-gallon bucket is? I do. I was just carrying one a little while ago. For, what did you keep in your five-gallon bucket of chlorine? Apples. Don't eat those apples. You, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> Listen, let me tell I'm you your podcast me. friend, not your slave. <laughs> So at I Do Pools, we go in and we, we know we've got to get the chlorine into the pool, right? Like that's how it works. But we're not quite sure, hence the question mark on the shirt. So we come in, we take this five-gallon bucket, we, we all, you know, you <clears throat> carry it, your center of gravity's off, so you're kind of doing the penguin waddle, and you just kind of drop it right at the edge of the pool. And then, and then we trained our people, very, very, very attractive pool. Oh, oh, I would expect no less. Enough to get the ladies and the gaities to notice. You're, you're going to get a gaze from the gays and the ladies. That's what you're going to get with our pool boys. 
But then, but then, listen, they, they got to get that chlorine in there. And do you know how we do it? Is we just teach them to like, just dive their hands deep in and like pull it out by the, by the scoop, by the handful of chlorine. Dump. Now, that's the, like the, potentially be dangerous. Yeah, they don't last long, you know? Um, they can't stay around for long. And they reek of chlorine. You wouldn't even want to have pizza with them. <laughs> I don't know. I do like pizza an awful lot. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Shh. Hold on. Another okay. email coming in from the sponsor. Mary, I got it. I, I read it wrong. I thought it was a question mark at the end. Delete this all. Delete this all. Can you delete this in the edit? Yeah, yeah, we'll push the button. All right, all right. Beep, 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 beep. Okay. This week's episode of the Melrose Place Cast is provocatively sponsored by I Do Tools, in quotations. We here at I Do Tools, if you know what I mean, are here to service your every need. When things are getting just a little too wet, you're gonna call you're gonna call Zachary with, oh the, boy. with the sunglasses. Oh, you're gonna call him oh boy, you're gonna call him big boy. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna call him happy boy. And then you're gonna call him get the fuck out, boy. <laughs> get what me. you wanna do for your body. <laughs> Whatever kind of uh here's the thing. This service, Mary, is so versatile. Our our listeners will love it. Whatever kind of tool, if you know what I mean, you're working with, Zachary will help you. Oh, wow. Yes. Now, listen, we service a lot of pools. Pools, Mary. Right? Pools in uh -huh. rabbit quotes. So we Oh, take... oh. Now yeah. I get it. Yeah. Now yes. I get it. We're talking about vaginal canals. And booty, oh, booty spots. All right. Uh -huh. Good to know. Good to know. Now, listen, we take the health of our clients and our workers so seriously. So after every service, we, we dip our, our little broy jock, who does have one year of college, we dip him in chlorine to just wash away the juices. Oh, that makes, you know, that makes sense. Oh, oh shit. Hold on. Email. You've got mail. God damn it, I read it wrong again. Is this partially sponsored by AOL? <laughs> you know you would think it was. Okay, cool. Can we start over? Yes, yes, yes. Are we, have, we, have we been recording all this time? It feels like we have, but I the time it flies by, you know? This week's episode of the Melrose Place. Bleh, bleh, delete that for real. This week's episode of the Melrose Place Cast is plainly sponsored by I Do Pools. Here's the thing. This is the service, Mary. Are you ready? Yeah. We're going to send a pool guy to come clean your pool. That's it. I mean, I, I, my pool does need cleaning. Yeah. I, I, I want to be clear. I'm talking about a hole in the ground full of chlorinated water. Also, if you want, we'll have them fuck you. Go fuck with them. But the main service is just cleaning. 
Well, you know, I mean, people, they need, as we've seen on this show countless times, like the need to clean pools is high. And to have a quality service like that available is, you know, it's value added. Mm-hmm. That's why we here at I Do Pools are ready. Uh, it's, you know, it's a weekly contract, right? So we'll come by once a week. We'll stand around kind of skimming it. That's all. And we'll, we'll kind of look cute. We'll, we'll That's clean. all I'm looking for. Yeah, That's- we'll clean your pool. Is there, do they offer a service? Like, let's say you have a pool emergency. Like, for example, maybe someone comes and plants um, a bunch of lily pads in your pool. Can I do pools help me clean that up? Mm. I'm so glad you asked. Actually, the lily pads were part of I do pools, uh, where we would help oh. pool. Yeah, that's the wedding pool company. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. I mixed them up. I can't, I don't know how I did that. It's so easy to do. You know, none of us copyrighted the name. And now it's too late. It seems like, you know, I don't want to tell anyone how to run their business. Mm-hmm. But, but but I will say, maybe it would make sense for all of these businesses to unite under one banner and, mm-hmm. and share the share the load and the profits. Share the load. The, the pool cleaning slash wedding coordinating planning slash lily pad planting load. Slash housewife doing. That's a whole nother. I mean, yeah, that's a full time job in and of itself. There's so many. There's so many housewives. You know, that was actually a, a real big storyline in Desperate Housewives. Oh, with a pool boy? Yeah, she was sleeping with a pool boy. A pool man? Thank no. you. Yeah, I think it was a pool boy. <laughs> So wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God, how long? Yeah, and and. Uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ellie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how, do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. Okay, so we're in for all of it. <laughs> oh, God. 